You're tuned in to the Kocho Nam, the show on WMU 88.5. Welcome. Later in the broadcast, experts answer your healthcare questions as enrollment ends for some public options. But first, last week was a big one for D.C. statehood proponents. First, Democrats long shut out of the majority in the Senate when both critical runoff races in Georgia, making the Senate evenly divided, and Democratic Vice President Kamala Harris able to break tie votes. And when pro-Trump extremists attacked the Capitol last week and Capitol Police called on the district for backup, many noted that because D.C. is not a state, the mayor was limited in her options. Unlike a governor, she cannot activate the National Guard on her own. Activists say that statehood for D.C. is more important now than ever. Could we see the 51st state soon? Joining us now is Michaela Lefrac, WMU arts and culture reporter and host of WMU's What's With Washington podcast. Michaela, thank you for joining us. Hey, Kojo. Always great to be here. Michaela, last week the Washington region was shaken to its core by that insurrection by pro-Trump extremists. A big question after the riot was... Where was the response from local and federal law enforcement, and why wasn't D.C.'s National Guard deployed earlier? What do we know about the response and about the district's role? Sure. And and this was honestly, you know, besides being kind of horrifying to watch play out, it was also very interesting since we've been reporting on D.C. statehood and issues with, with federal versus local control for months now as part of our 51st podcast. Um, and we just released a special episode of that um, this week. And we we dive into this question. So why wasn't D.C.'s National Guard deployed earlier? Um, well, there's a lot of finger pointing going on right now between different branches of law enforcement. D.C. is kind of unique in how many law enforcement divisions are here or near here because the federal government's here. Um, But it basically boils down to this. Last week, Mayor Bowser requested the assistance of the D.C. National Guard to help with crowd control during these pro-Trump protests. Um, But the National Guard wasn't going to be armed. They were there solely to help with again, crowd control, and they didn't have the authority to be on Capitol grounds. Um, The U.S. Capitol is under the jurisdiction of the U.S. Capitol Police, and they have to call in other law enforcement agencies if they want support. Um, But then on Wednesday, once the mob got to the Capitol, Bowser made another request. The U.S. Capitol Police were also requesting support. Um, And because of the way that D.C. is is set up as a district and not a state, there was a delay before the rest of the Guard was, was deployed to the Capitol to assist. What were the options available to the district's mayor? Um, well, they're very different than what uh, they would have been if the mayor were a governor. So the National Guard technically answers to the president because D.C. is not a state. So in other states, the National Guard answers to the governor. Um, and so for D.C., the the Secretary of Defense is really the one that handles all these National Guard deployment requests from the mayor. Um, so that means that, you know, even though Mayor Bowser was was making these requests um, there, they had to go through all these, you know, proper lines of communication with the federal government. Um, and that's what what led to the delay. Um, now, also delegate or sorry, D.C. Delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton has recently introduced this. D.C. National Guard Home Rule Act, which would essentially hand control of the National Guard over to the mayor so that it would function uh, more like a state. Michaela, many compare the district to a state, and one of the reasons that people do not like 
referring to the D.C. Council as the city councilors because they said both the mayor and the council have responsibilities that are more like a governor. So they end up comparing the district to a state and the mayor to a governor. What is the reality? Um, well, in some ways, you know, that that is correct. We don't have a, you know, a general assembly or a state assembly, um, but we do have this you know, city council, the the D.C. council and a mayor who has, um, you know, in many ways assumed the role of a governor. Um, and D.C., of course, is is the size of other states. You know, the mayor and the D.C. council oversee around 706,000 people, which is greater than the population of, of Wyoming and Vermont. Um, but again, they don't have the same power that, that governors or, or state assemblies do. Um, Congress, for example, can override D.C.'s laws and budget, and we also don't have representation in Congress. We, there's no D.C. senators, and um, we have a delegate to Congress, Eleanor Holmes Norton, but she is not allowed to vote on, on final bills. So the authority there, the local authority is really quite limited. Limited. Here now is Andrew in Potomac, Maryland. Andrew, you are now on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, Kojo. Uh, I want to know, uh, if D.C. was a state, how much differently do you think that these capital riots would have been handled? Um, if D.C. was a state, as Michaela Lefrac pointed out, the mayor would have been able, as governor of the state, to order out the D.C. National Guard. In addition, she would have presumably been able to allow the Metropolitan Police Department to have a larger role. Michaela? Yes, um, that's that's exactly correct. Um, the other thing that I, I found very interesting was that before the riots even occurred on Monday of last week, the D.C. Council um, kind of huddled with the D.C. Attorney General's office to discuss the possibility of President Trump invoking the Insurrection Act, which would basically mean that the president could um, sort of take control of D.C.'s Metropolitan Police Department yep. Um and kind of uh, have have greater power even than than he does right now in the district. So there's the the main thing that I would say what it all boils down to. You know, there's so many different agencies, so many different lines of communication. But if DC were a state, you know, in a moment of chaos and insurrection, as we saw last week on Wednesday, the the ability for our leadership, city leadership, to deploy law enforcement would have been much quicker, would have been much more straightforward. You know, even now, a week later, we're still trying to figure out exactly what happened. We saw a very different response from law enforcement during the Black Lives Matter protests last summer. Did federal intervention affect what we saw last summer versus what we saw in the response to the Capitol insurrection? Certainly. Um, and this is something, you know, a lot of folks have been been talking about um, in the past week. So so during the Black Lives Matter protests over the summer and and um, in the spring as well, uh, President Trump very quickly deployed National Guard and other federal agencies to counter these largely peaceful demonstrators. Um, so there's National Guard there. There was Secret Service. Um, they tear gassed people. They flew helicopters very low over the crowds. Um, and it was, you know, there's lots of photos going around of the National Guard you know, standing on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial um, and, and providing this, you know, very intensive presence here in the city. 
compare that to last week where, um, you know, it took hours for for that same level of deployment to occur. Um, You know, a lot of folks are pinning that either on, um, you know, the fact that these were Trump supporters uh, that were here in the Capitol and and President Trump is the one ultimately in charge of deploying D.C.'s National Guard. And then, you know, there's a lot of folks saying that, that, you know, this is just some pretty blatant racism and a different way of treating black protesters versus um, last week's protesters, which were, you know, majority white. As we said last week, both Democratic nominees won their respective races for the U.S. Senate in Georgia. Democrats now effectively control the Senate, but barely with the vice president's tie-breaking vote. What have you been hearing from local advocates about the likelihood of statehood with that new reality? And what can there, what can the obstacles still be? Well, statehood advocates, I got to say, they are riled up right now. Um, it's definitely put some wind in their sails. Um, so I, for example, I spoke to Stasha Rhodes last week. She heads up the statehood advocacy organization 51 for 51. Um, and she said that that watching Georgia turn blue has been a really motivating um, moment for her, particularly as a black woman and taking into account all of the, the years of work that black women political organizers did in Georgia. Um, so she sees this as this real moment for voting rights nationwide and right here in D.C. Um, and then, of course, Mayor Bowser is calling for a statehood bill to be on Biden, President Biden, President-elect Biden's desk within the first 100 days of his presidency. Um, but the the big uh, issue standing in the way is this is the Senate and the filibuster. The Senate's going to have to end the filibuster in order to get a D.C. statehood bill passed into the president's desk. Well, here is Larry in Howard County. Larry, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hello, Kojer. Thank you very much. Um, I I guess I agree with uh, the last statement. Uh, I do support uh, D.C. statehood. Uh, Unfortunately, um, it's not going to pass just because of the filibuster. I do not support removing the filibuster. I still feel that the Senate does need that so that... um, there can be a, a sense of cooperation and discussion when it comes to passing bills into law. Um, Michaela, remind us of the role of the filibuster and what it could mean for the statehood vote and what it would take to overturn it. Sure. So for for most legislation, it's not um, enough to get a majority, a simple majority of votes in the Senate to pass legislation. Um, So even though the Democrats currently control the Senate by just a hair, it's split 50-50 with uh, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris providing that deciding vote, Um, that's not enough. They would need 60 votes in order to pass a bill such as D.C. statehood. and the only way to that 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 seems extremely unlikely right now. Not even all Democrats are on board with D.C. statehood, actually. So um, they would need to change that rule, end the filibuster in order to get a statehood bill passed with a simple majority. And and like the caller said, um, you know, there's a lot of folks who who don't think that that should happen right now. And we only have about a minute left. But here's Joanna in Ward Three. Joanna, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, Kojo. Um, big fan of your show and also of D.C. statehood. But I'm just wondering, since uh, even if, D- if D.C. were a state, the capital would still be part of the seat of government and not part of the state of... Uh, of uh, New Columbia. 
Yeah, New Columbia, whatever. And so I just wonder what difference um, it would have made for the mayor's powers. Or Either New Columbia powers. or the Douglas Commonwealth. What difference would it have made, Michaela? You only have about 30 seconds. Yep, that's correct. So if D.C. were to become a state under this current bill, a tiny little federal district would be carved out that involves the Capitol and the National Mall and the White House, essentially. So, yes, there would still be those jurisdictional issues. The U.S. Capitol Police would still need to, you know, make a special request to call in the D.C. National Guard. But at the very least, the mayor could have called in the guard to assist with the crowds who are, you know, just off as they're marching to the Capitol um, before they get to the grounds. Fred, that's all the time we have. Michaela LaFrac, always a pleasure. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, experts answer your healthcare questions as enrollment ends for some public options. I'm Kojo Nambi. WAMU 88.5 is your listener-supported NPR news station in the greater Washington, D.C. region. You can support the Kojo Namdi Show and all the regional coverage you value by becoming a member today. Click the Donate button at WAMU.org and thanks.